Well, guys, as uh, we get started this morning, I want to start by reading a section um, that may be well known to many of you. It's found in the Gospel of John, in John uh, chapter 17. So if you'd like to follow along with me uh, here on the screen, we'll read those verses together. Here's what Jesus, in what's known as the high priestly prayer, prays. He says, I do not ask for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory that you have given to me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me from before the foundation of the earth. O oh, righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. So we read those verses together. Would you join me in a word of prayer? So Heavenly Father, we thank you that Part of what makes you, you, is that you're a God of relationship and community. And God, today, as we dive into your word, how we long for the fulfillment of these words. That by your grace, by your mercy, you would draw our hearts and lives towards you and towards one another. That the miracle of your grace expressed in community would continue to be incarnated and fleshed out among your people. And that as you do, you would be overwhelmingly glorified. Jesus, we pray, lead us, guide us, transform us today. In your name we pray, amen. You know, in the world that we live in today, it doesn't take very long to realize that there is a deep, deep need to rediscover the art of community. Sociologist Brene Brown highlights the significance and the importance of this need when she writes these words. That a deep sense of love and belonging is an irreducible need of all people. We are biologically, cognitively, physically, and spiritually wired to love, to be loved, and to belong. And when those needs aren't met, we don't function as we were meant to. We break. We fall apart. We numb. We ache. We hurt others. We get sick. And what... Brown is hitting on here is this reality that as human beings, part of what exists in us is a desire and a need to belong. I mean, if the pandemic showed us anything, it showed us the significance and the importance of human relationship. It showed us the importance of connection. And yet for so many, finding community can be as elusive as trying to grasp at the end of a rainbow. They wonder, I mean, does community even exist for me? Or they go from expression of expression to community only to feel like they never really got connected. And as a result, they're tempted to throw their hands up in the air and say, maybe I will never belong. And it's here against the backdrop of this need, this desire of the human heart, that the words of Jesus speak so powerfully to us today. You know, if you're just joining us today, we are actually uh, on a break, kind of a mini-series in between our larger series. Uh, For much of this year, we've been looking at the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew chapter 5 to chapter 7. And this call that Jesus gives us to live in light of the kingdom of heaven, to apprentice his way in every dimension 
of our life. And as is our rhythm here at Fellowship Nashville, we set aside time every year to focus in on one of our values and to explore uh, the different dimensions of that for how we do life together as a church. And this year, we felt drawn towards our value of relationship matters. And again, if we would apprentice the way of Jesus, that means following him in the different ways that he lived and practiced life. And the fascinating thing is that as you look at the life of Jesus, one of the things that you will find is that he powerfully practiced community in a number of spheres. And from that, we derive a ministry strategy that's going to be continuing to shape uh, much of what we do in community here at Fellowship Nashville in the years to come. And so we wanted to take some time to highlight those different spheres. Last year, we start, or last week, we started with the M. And this invitation into the multitude, this recognition that Jesus participated as a, as a citizen within the nation of Israel, he participated in the worship services of the nation of Israel. And in that M space, the unique invitation that we have in community is to declare the presence of the resurrected Christ in everything that we do. Today we come to the second of those, the 12. And the invitation that here we find in the example of Jesus, the calling of his disciples, the invitation to do life in real time with other people, to find the laboratory, to live out the call and the commandments of the kingdom of God. And it's why we want to suggest that it's here in this 12 space that we are drawn into kingdom life as we experience and share God's love with a smaller group of people. Friends, it's one thing to come to church week after week to gather together and to celebrate and to declare the presence of the resurrected Christ. But the context in which we will live out that call is in relationship with others. In fact, it is in the moments that we do life in an intimate way with others that we both see our own need for transformation and we're invited in the journey of transformation with others. Years ago, I heard a mentor say something that has always stuck with me. And he said that community is the context in which virtually all spiritual transformation happens. Community is the context in which virtually all spiritual transformation happens. And friends, the more I walk this journey of faith, the more I become convinced of that fact. And so today, as we look at the words of Jesus, we want to talk a little bit about this 12 space and how it draws us into kingdom life. And I think that begins in embracing the origin of biblical community. You know, if you uh, read the words of Jesus here in this high priestly prayer, it's powerful. I mean, it, what Jesus is praying here is fire, that there would be such a radical unity among the people of God, that the glory of God would be revealed in the earth, and that those who don't know Christ yet would be drawn to see him and drawn into this kingdom. And, and yet, in this prayer, we find a very fascinating statement that Jesus prays. We find it in verse 21, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you. You know, as Jesus is writing these words, it, I think it becomes a powerful invitation to recognize where community starts with. And what I want to suggest to you is that community begins and ends in God himself, that part of who God is in the X factor that makes God God is that he is a God of community. 
Let me give you an example of uh, what I mean by that. Go all the way back to humanity's first interactions with God. When Adam and Eve were formed from the dust of the earth. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 27. Listen to this description that God says over his creation. And then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. One of the things that scholars are right to point out is that in this description of the creation, we find a reference to the Holy Trinity. This recognition that even in the act of creation, Father, Son, and Spirit are all working together into that moment to create this being that they called humanity. And I believe the picture of that goes back to what the writer of Genesis calls the image of God, or the Imago Dei. Friends, there's a number of ways in which the relationship and the reality of the Trinity have been depicted throughout human history. But one of my personal favorites is this picture that's up on the screen. It's known as Rublev's icon of the Holy Trinity. And and the reason why I like it is it highlights something that scholars have come to call the perichoresis of the Godhead. Basically what it is is this picture of Father, Son, and Spirit sitting around a table and it gives us one of the most beautiful pictures of what God is and who he's like when the Father looks over to the Son and says, oh my word, you are so awesome. And the Son looks to the Spirit and says, no, 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 you're awesome. And the Son uh, and the Spirit looks to the Father and says, no, 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 you're awesome. And there is this echo of love and beauty and power that grows. And I believe what happens is that out of the overflow of that love, God says, you know what, we got something here that's so good, we just can't keep it to ourselves. And they create. It's why uh, when I hear people say, well, God created because he needed someone to worship him. No, God existed in community from before the foundations of the earth. God was always a relational being. It is, it is one of those indescribable factors that makes God, God. He just couldn't keep the love to himself. And so in his image, he creates a being capable of receiving and enjoying that love. Friends, the reason why we are called into community is because we are creatures of community created in the image of a God of community. Now, if you know the story of Genesis, you know that unfortunately, uh, things take a right turn in the story. In an act of cosmic treason, Adam and Eve choose to step outside of that relationship, yielding to the temptation of the evil one and eating from the fruit of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. And in that act, they basically said, God, we want to do community apart from you. We want to do community on our terms. And as a devastating result of that decision, what's the first thing that we find Adam and Eve doing as a consequence of that decision? Do you remember? They hide. They hide. Rather than stepping into the relationality, rather than stepping into the life that God had always designed for them, the default that Adam and Eve faced is that they hid. 
And friends, can I suggest to you that that act hasn't stopped since the garden? That oftentimes when confronted with community, the temptation that the human heart will find is the temptation to hide, the temptation to leave others at arm's length, to live in the fear that if people really saw how broken and messed up I really am, they would go running and screaming in the other direction. And yet, it is in the context of community, it is in the context of doing life with one another that we find a powerful invitation to live out what God has always desired for us. And again, I think we get a powerful picture of what that looks like as Jesus goes on in this prayer. If you have your Bible, look with me in verse 22. Listen to the mechanism by which this prayer is going to be fulfilled. He says in verse 22, the glory that you have given to me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and you loved me. Jesus is saying that the powerful tool in which he will bring about this work in his people is by giving to them this thing that he calls his glory. And again, that might be a detail that we might be quick uh, to skip over, to see that as a, as a description of a reality that's, that's there but not central to the reality of what Jesus is describing here. And yet, the more we wrap our arms around it, the more it radically transforms the way that we understand our relationship. Again, let me, let me pause here and take a step back and recognize that as Jesus stood on the shore of the Sea of Galilee and he called his disciples to follow him as his disciples, as he says to them, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. The beautiful thing about that statement is every description in that verse is plural. It is always in the context of community. How easy God could have said, you know what, I'm just gonna choose a guy and I'm gonna do my work in the kingdom through that guy but that's not what he does. He recognizes that as we go about the life of the kingdom, we will be invited to do life in community with one another. Now with that, let me, let me come back to this word glory because it's actually uh, one of my favorite words in Greek. Uh, this word glory, both in, in Hebrew is the word kavod, in Greek it's the word doxa. If you read the pages of the Old Testament, you'll realize that in the Hebrew, this word uh, was used to describe the manifest presence of God as it hovered above the Ark of the Covenant. It was this picture and this uh, like pinky reality of God physically dwelling among his people. The fullness of God wasn't contained in that moment, but it was the moment in which God's presence was made manifest and real. And everything about the nation changed because God was with them. And what Jesus says here is that the glory that you have given to me, I have given to them. You see, in the person of Jesus, we find the, the ultimate representation of God's glory. We find God in the flesh revealing the goodness and the mercy and the graciousness of God. Jesus is saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You want to know what God is like. I am the full manifestation of his presence, goodness, and love. 
But then this powerful reality. Oh, the glory you've given to me, I've given to them. As I sat with those words this week, I was reminded, friends, that one of the most humbling realities of being a citizen in God's family is the invitation that we are given to reflect the love of God to one another. To be an embodiment, a manifestation of the presence of God in the lives of one another. You know, students, I think about you as you are in your FSM groups. Do you recognize that when you gather together in those groups, it's more than just listening to Levi or to your leaders talk, but it is the space in which you are invited into the sacred responsibility of reflecting the love of God to others in your group. Friends, do we recognize that as we do life in these smaller spaces, as we practice life in community, one of the beautiful invitations that we will give to one another is to be an embodiment and a presence of the grace and mercy of God in their life. It's humbling. It's humbling. And it's why I'm convinced that capturing the significance of this 12 space is so important for us. Because it is in this 12 space that we find the gift of drawing one another into the kingdom and into kingdom life by embodying the love of God for one another. Uh, This week I was doing uh, a quick study into the over 50 commands that we find in Scripture of the ways in which we are called to love one another. I found this graphic that I thought was fascinating because it broke it down by the number of occurrences. Again, we look at the things in which we are called to do as the body of Christ as we reflect the love of God, that we are to love, we are to greet and to welcome, we are to belong to one another, encourage, to care for, and the list can go on and on. It's why, friends, I I am so passionately committed to what we call city groups at Fellowship Nashville. It's because it's in those smaller communities that we find the opportunity to live out the love of God in real time. In fact, last week, we had our city group launch, and it was exciting to see a number of you take that step. And if you've not yet done so, man, I encourage you, please consider joining in to those 12 spaces because it's there that the theory and the practice of what we talk about on Sunday morning is lived out in real time. The question then, though, becomes practically, how do we begin to live that out? You know, as I've walked with our city group leaders, one of the things that um, we've discovered together is this recognition that much like coming to church on a Sunday morning, what we can think is that community is all about showing up at a meeting. The community is just about coming to a small group gathering once a week and checking the box. But the reality is the community that we do in our city groups or in our 12 spaces are so much more than just attending a meeting that goes on for an hour. It's a place where we come together to celebrate what God has been doing throughout the week. The question is then, how do we grow in our intentionality in practicing community in different spaces? As I've wrestled with that question, the old pastor in me came out, and so, of course, I had to come up with an acrostic. And so, I want to propose to you that the answer is actually right there in the word city. Four rhythms that we want to continue to deepen and grow in as we practice community across our family at Fellowship Nashville. 
The first is simply this, that we connect with God daily. Friends, uh, one of the things that I become more and more convinced about in this journey of faith is there is a direct bearing on the relationship in life we share with others and our relationship with God. You will give out of the well of your relationship with God. And one of the things that we want to continue to do is to become a place where we invite people to live intentionally and deeply into that relationship with God. We're going to talk about that more in a few weeks as we talk about the one space. The second rhythm that we want to continue to invite people towards is what I would call an intentional meal with others. Again, this is about imitating the way of Jesus. One of the things that you discover as you follow the life of Jesus is how often he does spiritual transformation over food. There is, there is something sacred about a shared meal that has a way of leveling the playing field and inviting people to walk and to live in the life of the kingdom. But if you're like me, man, finding the time to set aside to share those meals is one of the quickest things to go in the hecticness of a busy schedule. And so we want to be intentional about carving out the space on our calendars to share a meal, maybe weekly, maybe every couple of weeks, but to be intentional and purposeful on budgeting that time to share food with others. But when we do, it's also not just about, hey, that was a great meal, and let's talk about what's going on with whatever football team you love. It's about, where's Jesus showing up in your journey? How are you experiencing Jesus? What is Jesus inviting you into, and how can I come alongside of you in that? The T is a rhythm of time for Sabbath. Friends, one of the things that is so clear about life in Nashville is life is running at the pace of 10,000 miles an hour. And developing the rhythms of seeking to pause, to savor, to reflect on the beauty and the goodness of God isn't something that just happens. It requires thought, it requires intention, it requires an invitation to come back to the heart of God for embracing our limits. And ultimately then that points us towards a fourth rhythm of yielding to God's spirit to bless others. We wanna to continue to grow in an intentionality in listening to the voice and the presence of God. We wanna to continue to live with an intentionality to listen to how God might want to use us to step into the lives of the least and the lost? And how in community can we come alongside one another to pray for those within our oikos, to pray for those within our sphere, and to grow in our intentionality of inviting people into this beautiful mystery that we call the kingdom? Friends, it's why I love these words of Jesus in verse 23. I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Friends, uh, we talked about this last week as we looked at the end, but it is equally true here. According to the scriptures, how will, will the world know that we are his? By our love. By our love. And growing in intentionality and purpose in these spaces become an invitation to step into the glorious reality of what God might want to do in and through our lives. Friends, do you recognize that when you sit down and you serve another person, maybe when you deliver that meal through the meal train, or you listen to that person in your city group that's struggling, or you hold the burden of another person, 
It's not just you. But God is working in you and through you to hold that space. It's powerful. And it's in light of this reality that I believe Jesus points us towards a third reality. What I would simply call the powerful fruit of community. Listen to what Jesus says is the end game of all this. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you have loved me from before the foundation of the world. Oh, righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. You know, there's a couple uh, words in this section that I think are so powerful. Number one, did you catch how often the word no appears in this text? It's, it's this invitation that we would be known by God and that we would uh, be known in community. And at its core, what I would simply suggest to you is that community is lived out as we know one another and are known. As we share our brokenness and belovedness with one another, God uses us to be the embodiment of his love and grace to others. Friends, I I want you to catch the full circle of this, right? Jesus starts this section with I and them and they and us, just as it's been from before the foundations of of the world. And now Jesus is saying, this party that we got started, this perichoresis, man, let me tell you where this ends up. It, it, It ends up with the people of God living on mission and drawing others to know and reflect the love and the grace of God in the world. You know, this week as I was sitting in this reality, I was reminded of a dear friend of mine named Gary. Um, When Tammy was first diagnosed with cancer, before she passed, um, Gary was a a friend of mine in the church, and Gary came over one day, and he decided that he would take it on himself to come and to mow our lawn every week. And I'll never forget the day that Gary showed up for the first time. Gary starts working around in the front yard. He does a great job. But then he goes, and he goes to open the gate to the dog yard. Now, at the time, we had a basset hound named Marvin. And let me tell you that Marvin's ability to contribute to the dog yard was significant. (laughs) And uh, months had gone by in my ability to be able to clean up the dog yard. Gary shows up, and he's... And I'm like, no, 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 no. Mow the lawn, but stay out of the dog yard. (laughs) This thing's a mess. And I'll never forget what Gary said next. He said, I came here to do your yard. And that includes the dog yard. And as he said those words, it was one of those moments that I heard the echo of God himself in my heart. I didn't just come to do the nice, tidy, neat, and clean parts of your yard. But man, I came because the dog yard of your heart is bigger and greater than you can ever imagine. And friends, the great temptation that we face in community is that we never take the risk of letting people into the dog yard. Of letting people into the broken mess of our life. 
I mean, it's one thing to, to invite people to come in and to see the places in our life where we have life altogether. It's one thing for me to say to people, hey, come, yeah, um, yeah, if you want to put that dish in the dishwasher uh, after a small group, that's great, feel free. It's another thing to say to somebody, and I need help and I need to walk with you in the places where I struggle with depression. It's another thing to say to another person, you know, I just lost it on my kids. And I would give anything I could to hide right now. And I just need someone to be there. And I will tell you that in the seasons and the moments of my life, when God has been so gracious to bring those people alongside, who were willing to stand with me, not just in the moments where life was working out great, but in the mess of the dog yard, that something beautiful happened. I saw God more clearly. I saw God more clearly. There in the mess, and in the brokenness. Friends, I believe that's part of what community has always been designed to be. That's part of how the 12 space draws us deeper into community. It's because in that moment, we find ourselves on the training ground of two beautiful arts. The art of learning to embrace our brokenness and our belovedness, and the art of allowing God to use us to speak his life, his grace, his mercy into the life of another. But it requires risk. It requires inconvenience. And I believe it's why Jesus so powerfully intercedes for us and invites us into that space. You know, as I sat with this invitation to community this week, I was reminded of two uh, questions that just began to stir in my own heart. I would leave them with you today. The first is simply this, where is God inviting me deeper into community? You know, next week as Mark teaches on the, third, the three space, uh, we'll find more of a picture of what that looks like. But uh, for this week, I would simply put the question before you, where might God be inviting you? to take the risk of letting people into the dog yard, of letting people into the broken and messed up parts of your life. The second question that I would leave you with is simply this. Where can I embody his presence for another? Guys, one of the powerful pictures that Jesus gives us of this kind of life is when he took up a towel and he kneeled before the feet of his disciples and he washed their feet. If you've ever had the experience of having your foot, feet washed, one of the things that you will know is that it is far harder to be the person sitting in the chair than it is to be the person with the towel. Because in that moment that we allow another person to wash our feet, we take the risk of being seen, being known, and being helped. And it's in that space that we get the powerful invitation to get even the smallest glimmer 
of what this kingdom life is all about. But friends, one of the most powerful things that we can simply do is to be a presence that shows up. A presence that's willing to see the pain of other people and simply say, okay, you've said you're fine, really? Really? To ask the next question. Or to see um, somebody struggling and instead of walking the other way, to be willing to say, man, how can I get in the mess with you? Will you let me in your dog yard? Together, can we walk this journey towards the kingdom together? Friends, I'm convinced that as we do that, we come face to face with the beauty of what Jesus is praying here. I in them and they in us that together we may become perfectly one, that is the God of mercy and grace reveals his love and mercy through our lives. We see Jesus with greater and deeper clarity and focus. Friends, I'm gonna invite the worship team to come on up. And I wonder today, what is Jesus inviting you into? as we speak of community this way. Maybe today you recognize that community is about taking the risk. And today, you hear his call to stop hiding. Or maybe you're here today and you would recognize that it's about taking the risk of being inconvenienced. It's about being willing to step into the mess of another person. And God is bringing a name or a person to mind in inviting you to do that. Will you listen? Because friends, in both of those, we get a picture, we get an image of something so beautiful. We find ourselves in the family business of God himself. And I'm convinced that as we love each other in that way, the world will know that we are his. And they will see him more and more clearly. Let's pray. Gracious Father, who before the foundations of the earth spoke the language of love, who is taught to every being in creation to sing along to its beauty and to the steps of its dance. God, thank you for the gift that you have given us in your people. Thank you for the gift that you have given us to reflect your love and to receive your love. And that by your mercy, by your grace, by your life, you are doing something here. So sovereign God, how we pray today, draw us. Draw us more deeply into community. Draw us more deeply towards your own heart. And as you do, may you be glorified. May all the world see how good and righteous you really are. And may you be magnified now and forever, we pray. Amen. Amen. Sing together.